0: Kim Tubi and everyone, welcome to the second round. Of common ground with Sean. Thank you for tuning in, and Kim, thank you for joining me again. And when I say again, I mean because we actually did this yesterday. Yeah,
1: tell the it, people, Sean. Tell <laughs> the people how it played out.
0: And it didn't work, so it's actually quite funny that this is this is episode two and round two for this amazing interview. So I am looking forward um, to having a chat with you again. And um, yeah, ho- hopefully, it can be as dynamic as last time. <laughs> and...
1: Look, I think that I think that we created some podcasts and potentially some radio and media history in what we achieved yesterday. <laughs> but you know, sadly, it's only going to be you and I that, uh, that made that take place.
0: In fact, I, I think the word John Balls was mentioned, and um,
1: yeah,
2: you
0: know, it was it was okay. But we'll, we will start again. So, um, everyone, welcome to the episode, and and thanks for tuning in. Um, hopefully you'll love it and uh, I'm sure you will. Today's interviewee is a is a great friend of mine, uh, namely Kim toby I've known him for a long period of time, but I'll let him divulge all the great stories um around that time. Maybe some of the not so great stories, but it's uh it's great to have you on the on the phone with me today, Kimbo. And um I suppose where I'll where I'll start after after doing the little intro there is you just to tell the people sort of a bit about a bit about yourself at the moment and, uh, and where you're sitting. Then we'll we'll get into your real, your history and 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 deep dive into what makes Kim Tubby the, the, the great person that he is.
1: Peel me apart, I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, Sean. I guess at the moment is um, look, I, I get to spend an amazing uh, <clears throat> an amazing amount of time working with um, with small businesses uh, and medium and large businesses as well uh in a consulting um format uh namely being uh, in business with yourself with open pantry code mhm mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so um, look you know um definitely not uh not a stranger of hearing your voice on a daily basis
2: um
1: we will we'll, we'll touch on some of those interesting stories later on in the show um, but no so for me at the moment um you know i I'm definitely uh getting to um really gets roll up my sleeves and get stuck into helping uh, small business and medium-sized business owners um, mm-hmm. do what we do, and that uh, help them grow and, and scale up.
0: Mm. And, and we've been we've been mates for a good four or five years now. And 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 I think the, the thing I love about your story is it, is it probably has a lot to do with um, with how I sort of you know came through the ranks of hospitality and been involved for for such a long time now. So I think. Probably where I'd like to start is where you actually started yourself, and, and yeah, what
1: absolutely.
0: yeah, what made you you know, be in the hospitality uh, hospitality mind frame? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Look, I, I guess as um, you know, as, as it happens with uh, lots of young kids, I guess I, I grew up in a family that um, that had a really good um, I guess core value set, um, and that was something that um i guess motivated me as well as a uh, a good shove from the parents to go get my first uh, casual job mm-hmm. um and uh for me i um i started off with McDonald's at a at a very early age back when uh, back when it was totally acceptable to start work at uh, 13 <laughs>
2: um,
1: so you know um for me having having a McDonald's that had opened up just down the road from me uh made it something that was extremely um convenient not only for myself, uh, in order to uh get to and from work, but also for my parents so they don't have to worry about me uh, getting to and from work. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that that's uh that's where my journey began.
0: And um what what made you join Maccas when you when you started? 'Cause I know that you're you know, you're a bit younger than me, right? So you're you're lucky, you've still got the good looks.
1: Oh and... we're not doing the math we're not doing the math today, we're not we're doing early on ages. Alright, good. <laughs>
0: So we're talking a a period of time ago when Mackers was a different brand because um well, one because they, they could be. There were there were less players in the market. So uh, just explain why you decided to join Mackers rather than than any other brand at that period of time.
1: Well, I think um I think a couple of reasons come into that. Again, um uh having heavy sport commitments when I was younger, um, I think something that was uh convenient.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um from accessibility very flexible as related to allowing me to focus on my sport as well as uh schooling which i, I just had to do sure. um <laughs> uh and also you know at the same time i had uh I had lots of friends that uh were already uh working uh within the organization as well and uh had had nothing but uh, amazing things to say about working there so um you know and, and again there's obviously the the added bonus of you actually get paid to be somewhere. Um that's a good so, thing mm-hmm. yeah look, and you know uh, i think by this day's standards you, you look back at uh, i think my starting rate back in the day was about four dollars twenty eight um wow. and you think you work you work uh, you work four hours and you still don't have enough money to draw out of the ATM. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so um look definitely definitely a different uh, a different era and a different time that i i began my journey at mcdonald's um mm-hmm. well well back before um uh before any of the new kind of menu options that are that you now see in a McDonald's when you walk into it mm-hmm. uh, uh, back then we still had what was called uh core menu uh which is core menu which is generic around the world, so yeah we're talking about big Macs cheeseburgers quarter pounders and mm-hmm. stuff like that um and back when a cheeseburger was a dollar fifty and you could get a large coke through a dollar twenty five um so you know um evolution inflation whatever you whatever you want to call it and just general growth of the uh, of the world has um definitely changed that price point that's for sure um, yeah, but,
2: yeah
1: absolutely i guess i i spent 11 years at mcdonald's uh for, in different uh, operations roles and seeing the evolution of uh, of a brand um from a product offering through to its operational execution through to its uh brand perception within uh the community uh, mm-hmm. and, and and the world in general was was actually an amazing experience to be a part of.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, talk to me about that first job and and like the kind of leadership that was above you during that time and and what that meant for a you know thirteen fourteen year old because those times I think I think if you're in your first job and and it's a good one then you're really really lucky and it really shapes a lot of your career. So just tell me about the leadership that you had above you at that yeah. point in time and how that shaped you.
1: Totally. And I and I know that's discussions that you and I have had a number of times around mm-hmm. how um how that, that first that first boss, that first first two bosses really do shape the kind of uh I guess kind of employee slash manager or whatever whatever role you end up being in really does shape the kind of um I guess the the work person that you're going to become. Um Obviously, there leaves room for for personal growth and, and and evolution over that time. But it's definitely that foundation. So for me, I, I got to work for uh, I guess uh, an experienced multi-site franchise partner. He had three restaurants at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one the one thing that uh, it still still stands out to me and and sticks with me. And I've I've reached out to him a number of occasions just to remind him of the amazing um, amazing mentor. And, and I guess you know it's a mentor of young adults. Um, that he has been over the years, and any number of lives that he has actually shaped has, has actually been amazing. When you think about the employee base that's gone through his restaurants, mm-hmm. um, so very much so a values-based business operator, um, mm-hmm. somebody who um, you know was fortunate enough to be making uh, quite a considerable living off uh, running successful uh, franchise businesses,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but was massive about giving back he's gone. He was not one that would just sit there and, and take, take, take. He was massive about giving back to the local area that supported uh, him and his businesses as well as his employees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, he, he was very much so somebody that was always open to conversation and um, and, and especially guidance conversations to, to young adults that worked for him as well. Is, you know He didn't pretend to always have the answers, but he, he definitely always had the time to show genuine interest. So, I think for me I took away a lot of um uh a lot of mentorship in in, in his approach to customer service the importance of um remaining humble and um being an active member of the community uh you know and, and I, I found that really good grounding to fall in line with uh with my sports coaches as well um it all just really seemed to come together as a good fit getting bombed you know with my sports coaches and sports mm-hmm. psychologists about about you know um how how to grow um personally and professionally and then also getting that at work as well uh how to grow personally and professionally uh and then also having some good grounding at home as well. So I think that put me in really good stead of working for somebody like him.
0: What kind of um what kind of sport were you playing at that point in time?
1: Uh, you name it, as long as it, uh, could be played, I was playing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, look, coming from a, quite a, a, a considerable sporting lineage in my family, um, baseball is one that, uh, ended up sticking with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, so a lot of, a lot of my attention went into that, um, during my junior years. Um, and, and I guess when, you know, you hear it all the time, young, young sports stars get injured, uh, mm-hmm. and they find what, uh what what I what we going to do next um for me having that natural love for uh for hospitality and retail um you know I I didn't I didn't see it as a fallback I saw it as I really enjoy what I'm doing um so whilst you know yes the sporting dream is over um I've actually got another a passion and love that I've I've already got here that I can just you know pretty much slot straight into
0: did you um did you find Obviously, you got into baseball, I'd imagine, because you know you do have that that family history there. But did you did you find that uh, that team environment helped you in a team environment as you were sort of coincidentally working in Maccas as well?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's definitely an interesting one. So I went, when I first started McDonald's, I was every bit the introvert, every bit the shy thirteen year old. Really. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, you know, you oh, p-
0: shut me surprising up now. knowing now. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. Right. So you just cannot cannot shut me up now and talk about to anyone. Um, uh yeah, so I guess for me, uh the sporting side definitely helps me uh I guess be in a comfortable environment where um you know, you have got you kind of got that um your peer trust group uh that you can continue to grow with and, and you know, talk about experiences. And then that, that kind of came, you know, with with work as well. Having all different um, age groups, different levels of uh, professional and, and I guess, life experience, um, working in and around you as well is absolutely. I, I think you know a, a team mentality at work is just as important as a team mentality at uh, in a sporting team,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. um, in most often you know you are working towards um, the same result.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, I can see how that would have. Um definitely benefited you. You would have um been coming through, you know, your late teens and been successful in, you know, two major things which were passionate for you. So that was um that must have been a really good time for you, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, how long did you end up staying at Maccas and what was the next sort of turning point turning point for you coming out of school?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I um Uh, I ended up going through the McDonald's ranks, um, ended up doing my associate degree in business management through McDonald's. Thank you very Mm much. Nice. Yeah, and um, ended up uh, finishing up working for that franchise partner and moving to the Sunshine Coast to look after a number of restaurants up there. Um, So all up, up, that was just shy of 11 years I spent uh, under the Golden Arches. Yeah, right. Did
0: you find... um when you were saying well, obviously you just you pinpointed to the fact that McDonald's paid for pay paid for your um uh diploma, was it, or a degree or
1: Yeah, just an associate degree, so yeah. Associate degree. In Australia. Yep. Did you did you
0: find that was something that would keep you within that brand and, and therefore be loyal to them and, and in turn was that happening a lot with the staff that were around you at that point in time as well? Yeah,
1: I I think um I, I was one of the one of the first to go through um I guess one of the school-based traineeships with McDonald's um mm-hmm. and you know obviously many many more companies have jumped on board and many different training organizations have come on board to offer a different type of uh a, a different variety of uh, offering in in this space um mm-hmm. but I I definitely found that is um I guess that was a starting point for me uh, as a as a I guess a crew trainer as it was known back then.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
1: that was that was them reinvesting in me um to um yeah I, I guess making a long-term investment in me in order to ensure that their business is, is getting the right uh the right people in their long term uh to yep. allow them to continue to grow both you know from a profitability point of view and a people evolution point of view. Sure. Um so yeah definitely for me going through all the different courses you know different management courses that you do go through at McDonald's as you go up the ranks uh it is definitely uh it's not the cheap thing for Mcdonald's to do uh mm-hmm. it is a mu- it's a mutually invested um uh practice it is you know the the trainees themselves needs to spend uh, a serious amount of time going through um the the workplace for that as well as having you know either your your restaurant managers or your regional managers or even your franchise partner where uh, where lack of the other two are, um, to spend that, that really quality of time ensuring that you're understanding content uh, and are able to actually practice it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a massive investment. And I think it's definitely something to be recognised that McDonald's 100% still do uh, invest in their people. Mm.
0: It's a positive thing, isn't it? And uh, I think that's... Um heralded enough as it should with businesses um that do that kind of thing because you're right it is a massive investment and um and any investment in people um there's for good reason I think is a is a positive one for sure. Um so obviously you've come out of Maccas, you you're feeling pretty you're feeling pretty tidy, feeling pretty good about yourself. You're in your um early twenties. What do you what do you do from there, Kim?
1: Feeling invincible, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah look uh, I think it, it got to the point for me that um, I not through lack of love for McDonald's or uh, or anything like that. For me, I, I just I wanted to I wanted to make a change. I wanted to see what else was out there. I wanted to see what, how else um, I could be making impact on the on the hospitality market. So sure. um, I I ended up leaving the you know the massive umbrella of McDonald's. Um, you know even back then was is just uh, huge. I think they were at 900 locations even back then. Um, so, I ended up leaving to go into a small franchise, small Asian franchise by the name of uh, Walk Me Noodle and Sushi Bars. I um, mm-hmm. went in as an operations manager. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I spent about six months in that office, and, and I definitely got a, a ground roots um, understanding of what the real world is uh, mm. as it relates to when you don't have uh, a billion, you know, multi billion dollar infrastructure behind you like McDonald's does. Yes. Um, and and how whilst all the practices that I had learned at McDonald's are still highly relevant, um, you are very much so still developing a a franchise as you go. Um, So I I found found myself extremely challenged as related to, um, at the same time, getting some easy wins, um, but extremely challenged as related to getting uh, invested buy-in from franchise partners as to um, why we're going about doing something and how it's going to make their business better. And um, I, I think that's where I actually fell in love with franchising, uh, to be completely honest,
2: um,
1: mm. is getting to getting franchise partners across the line on, on how much you can actually benefit their business by making small changes, um, which I guess, you know, after six months, ultimately led me to becoming a franchisee myself. itself.
0: How did you... I think a lot of people listening probably would have been from, you know, big businesses and they might have transitioned to the small businesses because they felt it was probably... Where they're best suited, so a lot of a lot of people in their sort of uh late teens early twenties will will work with big conglomerates because they believe that's the right choice for their for their career and then depending where they uh end up and where their life transition goes, they sometimes move into smaller businesses because they want to feel more at home or less of a number and that kind of that kind of thing, depending where your first job was um How did you find that transition? um from going from McDonalds to, to walk me and sort of putting in those systems and processes you would have learnt at Maccas in the new business. And did you did you find that everyone was like, Wow, this is incredible or did you or did you find that the people took a bit of time to relate to what you wanted to what you wanted to do and the process that you wanted to bring
1: through? Well, I I think it's uh it's definitely something that took time. Um again you know a, a small franchise system um uh you know at, at points in time generally first business owners were the franchise partners um very much so hands on owner operators mm-hmm. um potentially no exposure to bigger uh bigger companies previously mm-hmm. so I, I guess i guess for me um it, it was very much so about um trying to create uh the big picture message uh, and then trying to sell off little parts of it um, in order to complete that big picture. So, look, I, I think it was definitely something that I, I found very challenging. Um, you know, your McDonald's template is pretty easy. This is your path to success. This is how you make lots of money. Uh, if you go off the path, then, you know, it's kind of your own, your own fault. You're a doing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, yeah. like you've got this golden arch thing, which is just like a magnet for money. It's, it's you know, mm. lost... Uh lost out on that, then there's something probably mm. wrong going um mm. walk- walk me a little bit different, you know there's lots of different variables you know you definitely got um you know there is't a a billion dollar marketing war chest it's it's about local marketing it's about having that connection to local area um all all of that stuff that I guess I'd learnt at mcdonald's um yes. but I guess it just it came that little bit easier given that you know you do hide behind that um, that massive massive company uh gold mm-hmm. lunch.
0: Mhm. So talk to me about the next couple of years at WalkMe and and, and where you went um from that first initial that l- initial time frame.
1: Yeah, cool. So um the next few years was actually like an absolute hold on to the seat and enjoy the ride. Um tire type wonder ride for me. Um so I uh, I've spent about six months in the office from there, um, myself and a um uh, an investor we took on an existing site on the sunshine coast um mm-hmm. that um look franchise partner had bought it uh had kind of just maintained the status quo it had a really steady revenue going into it had a, a good tenured young team that were trained really really well to run that business for him um but he hadn't re- had really um spent any time and any extra efforts going above and beyond to really make it a really make it a success for him so look we mm-hmm. um we ended up buying into that business pretty cheaply. He he walked away happy, uh, and we walked in happy as Larry, knowing that we could get some really, uh, really easy wins there from a revenue and profitability point of view. Um, sure. So basically, within the uh, within the first couple of months, we had um, you know doubled, and then and then um, you know for a couple of weeks there had uh, had almost tripled the previous revenue wow. um, of that, and then kind of just held it around about a fifty percent increase on what it had previously been trading at. Um, yeah. So effectively, it turned it into a from a break-even business into an extremely profitable one. Mm, wow! And how did
0: you? Uh, were you patting yourself on the back at that stage, and was it you know was it crown lagers all round or? or
1: Pretty happy. Not gonna yeah. lie. Um, <laughs> look, you know, and um, look, you know, twenty four. Um, mm. You know, it felt like I was conquering the world, and it uh, it was definitely a, an, a yeah, definitely mm. definitely an amazing ride, and, and you know, and it's it was it was one of those ones where you, you felt absolutely bulletproof untouchable mm-hmm. um and I guess at that stage is we started having landlords um just start going cool we've got we've got locations here uh do you walk in um mm-hmm. and you know <coughs> with with the investor we had in as well um he was very driven into central queensland, so we had some central queensland locations <laughs> that we opened um and then before we knew it in in the first twelve months we had five WACMEs. um right as well as moving into um, the franchise or had a second brand as well, a Mexican brand. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we ended up having two of those as well, uh, all within a 12 to 18 month
0: period. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of different brands and a lot of different cuisines. How did you find that transition between those couple of, um, those couple of things?
1: Look, really challenging. And uh, look, as I was extremely passionate about uh, both brands, um, both forms of cuisine um I'm still still extremely passionate about uh I know you and I have a number of conversations about mm. uh about both both Asian markets and mexican markets and mm. um it's something that I really like to keep my finger on the pulse with but uh i guess at, at that age um you know I, I don't think I really uh hit a um <coughs> uh, probably the mental maturity part of um really being able to take on a a commitment like that until I was probably about twenty seven twenty eight um, um okay. that's, that's probably just me being a bit self-aware about where I was actually at time over mm. again. Um, we, we did too much too quickly. Yep.
2: Um,
1: I definitely would have loved to have, uh, again, time again is always a, a nice thing to say. Yes. Um, I would love to have, I guess, consolidated, um, maybe at probably three to four of the walk me locations for probably 12 months before we, uh, continue to <clears throat> really go hard at the expansion. Um, mm-hmm. And for that reason, was you know this was just prior to the mining boom of Central Queensland coming on board. Right. Um, so you know, I think we potentially missed out on capitalising on some of that, um, some of that boom by, I guess, kind of chasing tail a little bit and not embedding good practice, um, and ensuring that we had the right infrastructure in place before we before we grew.
0: How do you think? Um, that's a really good question how do you How do you think you know, looking back now, that you do have the right infrastructure in place, because the other side of that coin is a lot of people will stop and not do businesses or just general things um around projects they want to do because they're too worried about getting everything perfect. so what do you think what do you think that tipping point is between knowing it's good enough and making sure you don't move too quickly?
1: I think um, I think it is a fine line to run, and, and you know I think um, you know everybody's got their their own interpretation of perfect and what they're what they're willing to accept um, as uh, they've been happy enough to allow the customer to experience that. Um, you know my, my my business partner at the time had always said that you know uh, Kimbo, you're always worth you're always worth twenty five percent extra revenue whenever you're in one of our stores, and I didn't I yeah, didn't right. quite. I didn't get him. I didn't understand him at the time. I've just kind of gone, yeah, okay, righto. But mm-hmm. he could actually plot it out for me on our on our revenue maps and just go, um, you know, I can tell that you're in Rockhampton that day. I can tell you're in Gladstone because I was literally working on the one percent stuff with the with the staff on at that point in time.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I think looking back on it is, you know, if you can identify. Um, and it's probably doing small experiments within your restaurants or, or your your retail businesses It's just doing those small experiments and working out the days that you 're not there mm-hmm. are you achieving the same kind of little k p i wins that you would be when you are there Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um,
1: you know whether you, whether your average sale is still the same or higher uh whether a certain you know promotional offer is being pushed as hard mm-hmm. um i think I think those and setting like a little indicator like that in the business are definitely um one of the ways to so get a bit of a health check as to whether you are in a point where you can start looking at doing a second or third location is making sure that foundation is strong of, uh, of best practice before mm-hmm. really looking to move forward.
0: Awesome. Um, so moving on from moving on from there, and and um, you've got some you've got some big businesses running. What was the next, what was the next transition point for Kim? What happened next?
1: Yeah. So. Uh, one of those classic stories of overreaching too quickly, unfortunately, is um, mm. we, uh, we we made a, a, a very big investment in uh, one of our restaurants on the Gold Coast um, and then one of those tales of um, a series of unfortunate events played out um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: from uh, liquor licensing delays through to shop fit-out delays through to uh, shop fit-out build costs blowouts through sure. to... Um, through turning is the wettest summer that, uh, the Gold Coast had experienced for <laughs> goodness knows how long. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, like to the point where I think it rained, uh, like mean like 70 out of, um, out of 90 days of, of summer. Wow. And, uh, on the, on the Gold Coast, that is just, um,
0: unheard of. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. And it's, and it's a recipe for absolute disaster for small mm. business.
2: Mm.
1: So look, it, it got to the point where, um, the actual the outlay of, of keeping that business running and, and we, we, we pumped the marketing in that in that restaurant really hard and really tried to uh execute with excellence in terms of what we're doing on a daily. Um and, and it just got to the point where from a cash flow point of view we were just crippling the rest of the company. Um where we, we did have a healthy a healthy business and it was one mm-hmm. restaurant that was really just pulling us down. So mm-hmm. we um we, we ended up making the decision to uh to actually walk away from that that restaurant so unfortunately wow. costing up quite a considerable amount of capital as well as um mm-hmm. as well as the you know the rather large rent lease that we had there as well yeah, um, totally. yeah and yeah. then uh, it actually got to the point where you know we you know between creditors and um uh and uh, bank uh, debt we we made the call to actually start winding up the company um mm-hmm. it it had kind of gone unfortunately to the point where it wasn't fun anymore um and for me for me and my business partner, we'd always set out to, you know, let's have some fun. If we make, make some money and we have some weddings along the way, then those things are absolute positives. Sure. Um, but we kind of made that pact from the beginning. As soon as it's not fun anymore, then we need to be looking to do something else. Um, so ultimately, that's that's what we ended up doing.
0: Was it a, was at the end of the day, like, was it, how hard a choice was that to make that decision and not to just think you could trade your way through it?
1: Oh, that's like absolutely um not the uh, it's probably it's probably one of the hardest times in my life um uh, mm-hmm. looking back on it
2: mm-hmm. that
1: I think i grew um I think that was probably my biggest personal growth journey that um I've undergone in my life to date um wow. I think I learned a lot about myself and what um how far I could be i guess stretched emotionally. Uh, and professionally, uh, look, sure. I, I think I made some bad choices that um, have ultimately cost me some uh, some professional and, and personal relationships
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, through just you know not being ready to, to deal with situations or um, stresses or just not having conversations uh, in general that could have prevented certain situations. Um, yeah. I think that's a big learning um, that I look back on. But at the same time, the decision to walk away. And, you know, uh owe some owe some money to uh to some banks. Uh it's not an easy one to do. Um, it's not one we took lightly. Um but again it it wasn't um, it wasn't fun and whilst we could have traded our way out of it, um, we potentially could have ruined some healthy businesses from a sale point of view by us not being motivated, um mm, and not not running mm. them yeah, not running them with uh, with the same passion that they deserve to be run with.
0: Yeah. I uh, completely get where you're coming from. I've gone down the same path, and it's not uh it's uh it's definitely a humbling day and it makes you just um definitely rethink about uh rethink about you know what what actually is important and what you actually want to do i think so Absolutely. so it is tough so you know you've moved from from that pretty bad time, and you know times are about to turn because uh I think that's when you you joined Grilled when you you met me.
1: (laughs) Oh, I still remember our awkward first day together, Sean. Um, No, look, um, absolutely. So, I I guess for me, after I'd, um, I'd I'd spent about six months winding up my company and uh, offloading uh, some of the restaurants
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and during that time I was really looking for what I wanted to do next. I wanted to work for a company that I was passionate about and that, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, kind of fitted in with my personal values as well as um, where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, sure. So,
1: look, Grilled now reached out to me uh, at a point in time when they're looking to bring in uh, senior business managers um, to, I guess, provide uh, a little bit more um, mentoring within the each State Theatre around um, their business managers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking for people that either prove their own businesses or have been in senior management roles. Um, yeah, to be able to mentor some of the junior guys, uh, and I guess start having them run businesses as their own businesses and take that ownership. Um, so for me, I, I kind of um, once I, I guess move past my own personal hangouts with not being the boss anymore. Yeah, um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which you know, unfortunately, it, well not unfortunately, it's you know it is it is what it is, and you eat your humble pie and then you swallow it and then you yep. you move forward. So mm. look. I got to I got to uh my first touch point with, with Grilled um was with an amazing restaurant manager um by the name of Jules Newen. Um mm-hmm. who uh I think her tenure within Grilled was always nine years, so absolute powerhouse of the business. Um in terms of practicing culture within her restaurant, uh mm-hmm. and then having that flow out into the rest of the Grilled Theatre, uh she was an absolute icon of the business.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
1: and they're getting to mix it with uh with a still the growing market that Grilled was. So I think I joined at Restaurant fifty um mm-hmm. and then they're now at hundred and twenty six with you know the clock still counting. Yeah. So um look, get, getting into that business is still at that kind of grow and grind <laughs> um time was very exciting for me. Um
2: Absolutely.
1: I was one hundred percent sold the dream and it um it definitely meshed up.
0: And what were you um so you came in as a as a restaurant manager during when you when you joined at you know, restaurant 50 years.
1: And
0: um what did you what did you end up doing? I know you were working most of that time in all that time in Queensland,
1: so Yeah, like you name it. Um I th- I think that was a, probably another fun part about grilled is that it's it is 100% what you make it. Um you you know, you've got so much autonomy on your P&L as a restaurant manager uh, or as a regional manager. Or as a state manager to really mm. get out there and achieve, you know, the business. The business is pretty simple, uh, although at the moment it's you know kind of scaling up its offering. But we've always mm. kind of referred it back to its its burgers, chips, and drinks. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not rocket science what we do; it's just good hospitality backed by great food. Um, so the autonomy to go out there and market your business to the local area and get and get that, I guess, that local connection. Um, is absolutely massive uh, and then executing that when you're in a restaurant it's, it's one thing to be going out there and selling it the dream but then if you don't live up to it in restaurant people just think you're uh you're you're cracked so um absolutely. so from running from running restaurants opening restaurants to uh, you know uh, training countless franchise partners and restaurant managers and assistant managers and um yeah, completely lost count over the years. Um, yep. <laughs> but I, um, I, and you know this very well, I, um, I ended up ending my time with Grilled after about four years as an area manager for Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, by that stage, I think we'd grown to 32 restaurants in Queensland um, yeah. and, you know, grown the business from a, an average revenue that was probably shouldn't throw numbers around, and I won't. Um, but it's definitely had considerable growth. Um during that period
0: of time. Yeah, without a doubt. It's um it was really interesting during both our times yeah, there to, to see a uh what was relatively a, a medium sized business really go into a massive conglomerate and but still say humble to itself. It was um it it's 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 those kind of businesses and experience set you up for uh, you know, the next ten or fifteen years of your own career and, and really figuring out what is actually important and how it is important uh, how it is possible to actually scale a brand. Um, but doing it the right way and not um not just, you know, selling out and overcapitalizing. So uh, Yeah, look
1: and I and I think that's yeah, I, I think you're dead right there. And I think if we look at a, a business that's built on values and, and decisions are made around uh the company's core values is mm. you know, that, that, that business has had ample opportunity to make, you know, millions more dollars. In profit over the years through making decisions that other businesses may make, but due to it going against the core values that conflict with, uh, you know, whether it be people or the brand itself, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they really have stayed true to it for the most part. And um, that's, that's why people, you know, fall in love with the brand.
0: Yeah, without doubt. So you've, um, so you left Grilled and what did you, what did you do after that one, Kimbo?
1: Yeah. So finishing up with Grilled, um, you know, it, for me it was not through lack of again, not through lack of love for the company. Mm-hmm. It was I'd um I'd had a chance meeting with um a Brisbane entrepreneur by the name of Damien Griffiths, who, mm-hmm. um if anybody knows, is the founder of Donut Time, um as well as countless other successful businesses in uh in Brisbane. Um and they're they're all absolute icons. Mm-hmm. Um so getting getting tighter, I got brought on as the national operations manager for donut time and his ice cream brand mr Fitz. um so very exciting time joining a a start up business um that was about to start growing out of control yep.
2: uh
1: from a from a location point of view yep. um getting brought in in order to put some structure in place around how it operates on a daily so that it could expand smoothly mm-hmm. um you know we're we're talking a business that uh didn't have managers in each state. Um, you know, inconsistencies around how we delivered um, service in stores. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had just been such a success, built off uh, an amazing social uh, awareness and an amazing product as well. Um, yep. the you know, it had kind of been let's let's get these stores open and worry about the back end afterwards. Uh, Absolutely, so that, that was 100% uh, what I was brought on board to shore up for him.
2: Mm-hmm. And how did you find
0: that transition from a uh from a Queensland-based role with the other two, uh, well, three, you've been a part of at that point. But, and then going into a national role where, you you know, you're delving into markets, which you knew but didn't intimately know. Did you find – how how big a challenge was that for you to transition into?
1: Massively. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Massively. And, um, look, I think, as, as everyone does when they um, – I think it'd be hard push to find somebody who makes a very very smooth transition uh into the role above without any hiccups yep. um i I think i again I found out a lot about my my personal leadership um ability um mm-hmm. and uh I think you know for me it was again about uh, trying to get in contact with uh, well get a get a connection with those areas that I didn't have great knowledge about and mm-hmm. uh I guess schooling myself very quickly um mm-hmm putting in place managers in each state that knew those markets very well um and then i guess empowering those people to really uh i guess work those markets um and then providing support for them uh for whatever they may need uh to sure. be a success so look that's <clears throat> i guess that was kind of my my key about how i uh chose to go in there and operate
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and look, I guess if I look at a legacy, you know, the, the managers that I put in place um, uh, when I was there are still there and are operating extremely well, uh, one of which is now the new National Ops Manager. So. It's,
0: um, it's definitely very humbling when you have those kind of experiences and you train someone from, you know, a, a certain position, sometimes luckily enough from the ground up and, and see them grow into something of amazing capability over the years or months or however long it is. But, um, and see them, you know, do a job that you've done or and do it better than you or, or do it at the same level is, is really exciting. So I think, I know for both of us, I think that's what, that's what keeps us both motivated and wanting to, to do those kind of roles. And I think anyone listening who's a, who's a, um, professional in management is, is of the same ilk if they're, if they're worth their salt. So. Yeah. Um, I
1: think the I think it's always a fun part of you know the person that comes after you, especially if you've trained them you'd always hope that they do a better job than you
2: um absolutely i
1: you know, as I think there's, there's two ways of looking at it there's the way of looking at going is nobody can do it better than me, and yes. then you know the intention is to have the person coming in behind you do it better than you uh, yes. because they've already they've already got your playbook there, so you know if they're if they're worth the value add then they should be definitely uh improving what you've already put in place
0: absolutely so you've better... got a you know, you've you've worked in a lot of um, what would say marketing-led businesses, but I think also you've worked in in businesses which, if I'm to sort of listen to your story today, Kim, and and understand it, have been really designated around good service. So I think I think all these businesses can be very well marketing-led and pull a customer in, but it really doesn't mean very much uh, if the service is bad or if the product doesn't deliver. So what what do you think has been the do you think Do you think that's true? And do you think that's um, that's been the major the major point of um, difference with those brands that they've been able to deliver on those three things?
1: Oh, absolutely! Look, I think you know if I if I go back and look at my own personal business, like the first one I took over, uh, again, lucky enough to have uh, an amazing young team. That um, you know, I, I kind of kept them in in touch with what I'd planned for the restaurant from the very get go um and you know what impact it was going to have and what part they were going to play in it yeah Um, sure so i guess they knew what their part and that was i'm going to go out and absolutely market uh the wahoo out of this thing to the local area and get the community on board Mm -hmm. um it's up to you guys to make sure that when we're when we're in restaurant where um we are excelling in in how we're executing um our service model Mm -hmm. um and like you know these these young kids who just completely stood up and and just owned it, um you know, which is I guess for me was a decision that I felt comfortable, I could walk away and do a second and third sight um mm-hmm. i think I think from grilled, very much they the same thing I think uh grilled don't pretend to be anything that they're not um I think uh, the the service uh evolution of grilled. Uh, over the years, uh, even from before I'd begun to when I was working there and then now Post has undergone a massive transformation. Mm. Uh, and, and, and it will continue to change as restaurant trends change and service trends yep. change.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: and, and even Donut Time. So, um, again, the, the more you put yourself out there, and, you know, I think Donut Time's got almost 180,000 followers on Instagram, yeah, the, wow. more, the, more you, the, the more you're putting yourself out there um, and leaving yourself open to be attacked Um uh, from a from a social media point of view, um, if you don't execute what you're putting out there, um, yeah, I guess it's almost a nightclub syndrome, right? Is you know, um, I, I look amazing with the lights off, but you know, <laughs> <the lights> <laughs> um,
0: that's a great analogy. I'm sure you look great was, in both light and no light. I was, no I was light. gonna
1: say <laughs> I was gonna say you, but this is your show. Um, <laughs> My name so, on
0: the show, you know, let have a go at the host. Absolutely,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess you know if you've got the got the lights on, you know, promoting your brand, but you know, you get into the into the, the business itself and the and the lights are off, you know, mm. uh, yeah, expectation versus reality is very powerful.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um Kim, final question for you. I know your time is um is pretty precious, so I don't want to keep you too long and I thank you for your time today. Is the, is the is the question that I'll that I leave every guest with, which is, what would Kim Tooby tell his eighteen year old self?
1: Oh, um, God! What did I say yesterday? Remind me now. <laughs> we talked about no. no, you talked about you talked about your hair, and I think that was pertinent because I did see you
0: share something on Facebook of nine years ago, and I was gonna bring that up on today's show. So I think that's I mean, Jen, important. Power the power
1: of social <laughs> media, mate. Reality and expectations. <laughs> um, no, I I'd probably say um patience um patience is a massive one. Um mm-hmm. I think whilst we are only on the planet for a short time, um, mm-hmm. I think if, if you are uh, you know, considered about um your life planning and what you want to achieve by when and, and actually how you're gonna go about it, I think life planning is a massive part of um your personal and professional growth. Mm-hmm. Um and I think just staying aware that things, you know, the chips will fall your way sometimes and then sometimes they won't. And it's about being able to be, uh, I guess, moldable when they don't fall your way and being, uh, I guess, graceful and humble about about that result. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say life planning and patience.
0: What a lovely way to end the show for round two <laughs> and episode two of Common Grounds. Um I'm gonna definitely hook you up in the comments here so people can follow Kim Tug on Instagram. I know that um during this over forty minute conversation I think you probably would have got even more followers than donut time. And um and, and rightly so. I mean you are a style icon. And um <laughs> But Kim, I appreciate your time for the second time round. I think it was actually better than the first. And uh and thanks everyone for listening to the second episode of Common Ground with Sean. We'll see you
1: next week. Thanks, Sean. Cheers.
3: Oh, probably not.
2: <laughs>
3: probably not. I'm on the on the wind down, but uh, yeah, there's the answer. There <laughs> awesome. That's um, the answer. That's the answer. I think you know, should... maybe I do sometimes wonder. Mm but you shouldn't ever have regrets. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it might have been good to have a restaurant and do that, and, uh, but it wasn't to be, so no point regretting that. So No, absolutely not. No.
0: Um, what would you say, uh, my last question uh, today as we end it, uh, all Common Ground podcasts, um, I really thank you for your time today. Um, it's been good to learn some new stuff, even though I've known you for such a long time and it's been very important to me to have you on one of the early episodes because of how much you've meant to my career. Um, Because Hilton, the funny thing was that Hilton, uh, I think it was Hilton, Hilton or one of those hotel groups turned me down for an apprenticeship when I was 15, right? I don't know if I've told you this, but... Um, and then I, and then I was really disgruntled and it wasn't until my mother said that, uh, Oh, it's a backslider around the corner. I'm like, why don't you go and work there? And that's when I started working with you. Obviously you took the risk on me at 16. Yeah. And, um, so obviously you know I just started my career. Calculating
3: risk. It was a calculator. risk. <laughs>
0: But um, So I really thank you for your time today. I know you're involved in a a lot of different projects and and you're a busy man, um, as all good people are. But um, what what would you say to your 18-year-old self, knowing what you know now?
3: Um, Take more chances. Take more chances, Greg. Um, Work as hard as you can quote someone you and I know really hard work eat eat dirt for mm-hmm. 10 years mm-hmm. so you can eat caviar for 20 yep. or for the rest but um, yeah just to don't listen to what people say follow your heart do what you have with passion and work bloody hard it's hard work work hard and you'll see mm-hmm. the rewards
0: can't agree so more
3: and don't worry about the
0: small shit. Mm hmm. Because it will all work itself out, I think. I mm-hmm. think we both know that pretty well. And get Greg Huggins. It. A... <laughs> it's always the haircuts. You did have a great ponytail back in the day. Well, though, I do. You, know, you know, it's uh, Neil Perry would be jealous. Um, yeah. Uh, Greg, again, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it a lot. Um, I'll definitely put some links in two different business projects that you have on the go um, in this podcast when I share it. And um, I really appreciate your time today. So thanks for spending this little bit of time with me to share your story.
3: Thank you for having me, Sean. Always a pleasure to help one of my most gifted employees.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Greg. All right. We'll talk to you again soon, guys. Thanks so much.